0: Cowards' Fury. I'm Chris,
1: and I'm Charles DeBlarny. And today we're going to talk about the North Pole Killer.
0: Correct. Thomas Richard Bundy, not to be confused with Bundy—that's a totally different serial killer—was born September 28, 1948, in Nashville, Tennessee. He was the younger of two boys; his older brother Ralph being 15 years his senior. That's a big gap there.
1: And Bunday didn't know pardon. <laughs>
0: It doesn't seem uh, that his childhood was a great childhood. His father was a World War II vet who suffered from mental health issues and was physically abusive to his younger son and his wife. Bunday disliked his father so much that when his father passed away in 1963, Bunday refused to go to the funeral and went to a band concert instead. He was only 15 at the time. Bunday was actually a pretty good student, uh, and he was a social kid. He would go on to marry his high school sweetheart, Marsha, and in 1967, he joined the U.S. Air Force, kind of sort of following his father's footsteps. He would earn the rank of technical sergeant. And I had to look this up because I don't know what that is. A technical sergeant is the sixth enlisted rank in the U.S. Air Force, just above staff sergeant and below major sergeant, no, so master sergeant.
1: He made it pretty well.
0: He, he did all right. He did all right. Bunday would serve in Southeast Asia in the early 70s. But while he was there, he had an affair and his wife actually found out about he may it. I love
1: you a long time. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> right.
1: He <laughs> said, hey, I don't know. I think of just a full metal jacket. Right. The 70s. Of course. I'm not judging. I just know what I know.
0: No, that's like, that's legit. Bunday. Yeah. So she ended up just, she's like, well. You are going to go sleep around. I am going to go sleep around. So she had an affair of her own. Oh, Marcia! Marcia I know, Marcia, 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 Marcia. She her affair ended up actually in a pregnancy, uh, which adds a little twist to things, right? Gotcha. So she gave birth to a boy, but Bundy actually, when he returned stateside, he stayed with her, and they actually ended up having a little girl together. By I mean, it takes a special kind of guy to be okay with like raising another dude's kid. By the mid seventies, Bundy special, all right. Um, yeah, not in. Going back to the North good, Pole killer comment. Good ways. <laughs> yeah, by the mid seventies, Bundy was sent to. I'm going to say this wrong, but I'm going to go for it. Eelson Base in Alaska. By this point, Bundy had begun to show signs of stress and. Oh emotional yeah, up there at Yeah,
1: yeah, it's cold up there. Cold. Yes. Yeah.
0: So he started to show some signs of emotional issues, and he sought the help of a psychotherapist. Like, okay, good on you. Get some help. Interesting little twist on this part. The therapist that Bundy went to for his mental and marital problems was Clarence Williams. Not Clarice. Not Clarice. Clarence. Is that, was that a uh, Silence of the Lambs reference? Yeah, totally. Okay. Williams would end up going to prison himself because he hired a man to shoot his wife in the face. What? Yep. hope. It's so st- hope wait, it gets better. I'm a no, worse. Shoot I don't my don't even wife how, in the face. Yeah, hoping that authorities would blame it on the serial killer that was running around at the time. They were
1: running all over the place in the 70s.
0: Yeah, well, he didn't realize that the serial killer he was thinking of was actually his own patient. Mm-hmm. Yes. By the late 70s. He should, have, he
1: should have been a little more observant and smarter. I and he feel have like... have just but given wh- Bunday a credit but and been what, like, hey.
0: What kind of therapist, though, is in a rural place in Alaska?
1: Well, Clarence Williams. Clarence. The kind of therapist that... Sucks
0: ass. Yeah. Well, by the late seventies, Bundy had just kind of come undone. He lost it, huh? Yeah. All right, let's get to it. it. Things aren't gonna so, what, go what well. Went down. Okay. So North Pole, Alaska, is actually seventeen hundred miles south of the actual North Pole.
1: Yeah, but it's really cold as shit up it there. It is. It has so. cute,
0: like cute holiday names for the streets and the stores that sell Christmas stuff all year round. They have a store called Santa Claus House. Uh, which is said to have the world's largest fiberglass Santa statue. It's terrifying. <laughs> it's so
1: terrifying. Can you imagine how awful it is, too?
0: Like a massive fiberglass Santa statue. Oh, God. I don't know. It's south of Fairbanks, uh, but in the late 70s and early 80s, it was not like sweet and Christmassy cute in the North Pole because women started to die. That's not cute.
1: All right. What What'd Bunday do?
0: Well, on August 29th.
1: Crazy bastard.
0: 1979, Glinda Sodeman disappeared from her home. Sodeman was just 19 at the time. She was the daughter of an Alaskan state trooper and a newlywed. She and her husband Jerry had a little baby together, and when her husband came home on August 29th, he found the baby in the crib, but Glinda was nowhere to be found. Everyone felt that Glinda was happy, content, and would never have left her baby. Later that year in October, Glinda's remains would be discovered in a gravel pit on Richardson Highway, not too far from the Eelson Air Force Base. That's so sad. She was found, and she had been shot in the face. Shot in the face? In the face. Ah, so he was copying the therapist. Uh, No, the therapist was copying him.
1: Right, but didn't even know it was him.
0: He didn't know it was him.
1: Maybe he did, deep down.
0: Uh, It could be, but she was shot in the face with a thirty-eight caliber pistol. Yeah. The cartridge, was, the cartridge was found near her body. What do you mean
1: cartridge? You mean like shell casing?
0: Right. I, whatever. I don't know guns very well. so The cartridge.
1: It's I, not an Atari game.
0: <laughs> it's definitely not an Atari game. It's like
1: Pitfall. <laughs> All right. Oh,
0: my goodness. Okay. Uh, authorities thought that she had likely been raped, but her body was too decomposed when they found her to yeah. make that determination. That's the
1: thing about Alaska. like People just get thrown in freaking stone ditches and they don't even notice. I don't know. Like, oh, a year later, like, hey, hey we found somebody.
0: It's pretty remote, though. Like, it's rural. It, it's beyond isn't, rural. Isn't I don't that know one what's like beyond rural. Remote?
1: Northern Michigan. <laughs> and Alaska. In uh, Alaska. Isn't that why there's, like, vultures? They, like, uh, tell you where to find people? yeah. And roadkill. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I don't know. I'm not but there's got to be somebody
0: I, I there know. to actually see the vultures doing the circling and doing the things that we Nobody's in Alaska. I don't Maybe. know that there was... A strange place. Well...
1: Unless you're listening from Alaska, then it's then wonderful. Then we love you. Yeah, it's wonderful. Wonderful.
0: Yeah. And, and, and warm. Initially, authorities and Glinda's father suspected it was her husband who had failed a polygraph test when questioned. But there was no evidence and he was not arrested. It's Alaska.
1: There's like... I can only imagine, like the education of the polygrapher. Right. <laughs> do you like well, Do you like steak and potatoes? No. Yes. I don't know. But I, they're like you fail, boy.
0: Uh, maybe, but
1: it's sorry. It's not like it's not like Cletus, like The Dukes of Hazzard.
0: Cletus from The Dukes of Hazzard.
1: Didn't he have a fight? it was he, he did. No, that was the
0: oh Roscoe Pico dream. Yeah. <laughs> that was Rosco.
1: He had that laugh. Yeah. All right, so so the, the, the guy fails the polygraph test, which yeah. is interesting, the husband. Right. But it doesn't matter because he didn't shoot her in the face.
0: I No, he did not. But, you know, right. they always go for the easy target, which is always the spouse, the significant other, the husband, the wife, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so the following spring on June 11th, 1980, Doris O'Ring and her brother were on a bike ride in uh, North Pole. Doris had gone ahead of her brother, so when he caught up to her, he saw her talking to a strange man. The stranger had the hood of his car opened up like he was having car trouble. When Doris's older brother approached, the strange man quickly shut the hood of the car and hastily drove away. That's a little bit sus. Two days later, Doris would just disappear. Okay. Yeah. So her bicycle was found in the bushes on Badger Road, close to her home in North Pole. The brother was able to give police enough of a description to create a sketch and told him the car was blue and the stranger had on a blue military uniform and a military style haircut.
1: A military style? What does that mean?
0: High and tight? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Short. Another witness on the day Doris disappeared told police that he'd seen a small blue car speed around a corner and the male occupant looked like he was struggling with something or someone in the seat next to him. That's also pretty sus. So police began by looking for any registered blue cars at the Air Force Base. There were um, 550 names that were given to them, so that was not great. They weren't in a great place there. Since Glinda's husband had not been cleared, they started with him. They had him take another polygraph, this time with questions about Doris's disappearance, but the results came back inconclusive. So this guy must have been like a really nervous Dude, I mean, but that's not, I mean, you would be, right? If you're being accused of your wife's murder and you didn't do it. Who wouldn't be nervous? You'd be pretty freaking nervous. Uh, So Sodeman uh, physiologically had an irregular heartbeat. So the husband... A polygraph expert would tell the police that his results would always be either it's like inconclusive. young kid
1: whose heart didn't beat right. And they're right. like, yep, the heartbeats are all fucked up, so you yeah. fail. And he's like, I, I don't even know what's happening.
0: Right. But so the polygraph it's just, it's expert crazy. actually did the right thing. He was like, look, this guy has a heart condition. His results are either going to come back always either inconclusive or failing because of that condition. So at this point, since there was no evidence Mm -hmm. and they weren't going to be able to do any more polygraphs with this guy, they basically dismissed him as a suspect. Then on January 31st, 1981, Marlene Peters, who was 20, disappeared. She was last seen hitchhiking from Fairbanks to to Anchorage. This is sort of at the tail end of when hitchhiking was still an acceptable kind of okay thing to do. Strange practice. I know. You know, when I grew up, my mother was like, don't ever hitchhike anywhere, even with people you know. I don't know. This was what teenagers did. She wanted to go see her father, who was sick with cancer. That's so sad. Police considered her disappearance kind of fishy, but didn't know exactly where she disappeared, and they did not immediately associate Marlene's disappearance with the cases of Doris or Glinda. They just didn't connect them all at this point. Five months later, in June 1981, 16-year-old Wendy Wilson disappeared after being seen hitchhiking. A witness said she'd gotten into a white pickup truck in Moose Creek, which is near Fairb- Fairbanks. Three days later, her body was found. She was found near Johnson Road, near the Trans-Alaska Pipeline. She had been strangled and then shot in her face. Sound familiar with Wendy got shot
1: in the face, too. Yeah. They're all getting shot shot in the face here from this guy.
0: Nine weeks later, Marlene Park, Bunday. Bunday. Nine yeah. weeks later, Marlene Pe- uh, Peter's body was found only two miles from where Wendy had been, and Marlene had also been strangled and then shot in the face with a shotgun. It's... I mean... This
1: guy's just getting warmed up here.
0: Well, and, like, I don't... Again, I don't know a lot about guns, but when you have a shotgun, doesn't... Don't the pellets, like, spread out?
1: There's a lot of stuff happening.
0: So if you're shot, like, really close range in the face, I don't think you have a chance.
1: Yeah, there's not a lot
0: left. No, I I can't imagine. Two days after Marlene's body was found, 19-year-old Lori King was reported missing. She'd been seen walking in Fairbanks. By now, the police had sort of figured out like, hmm, I think we might have a serial killer on our hands in North Pole, Alaska. The media would dub them the Fairbanks Serial Murders. That's so creative. Police enlisted the help of military and civilian volunteers to search for the bodies of Doris and Lori along the Johnson Road area where Wendy and Marlene had been found, but they were not able to find them. It wasn't until September 2nd, 1981 while four airmen were on a hunting trip that lori's body would be found her body was found in a wooded area near a missile site off off johnson road that same road somehow the earlier searches had missed her even though nothing had been done to try to hide the body she was just sort of out there in plain sight lori had been strangled and shot in the face with a shotgun yeah just like wendy and marlene another one mm-hmm. at this point the fbi would get involved Lori's body, and the reason is that Lori's body was found on a federal reservation, so that means that the local police could now bring in federal authorities. Or we,
1: couldn't fend them off.
0: Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, but if you're in Alaska, you're like, I'm not equipped to do this kind of investigation. I could use some freaking help. So the FBI formed a task force. At this time, an Eelsen Air Force Base investigator gave the names of three men to the task force. He said the three men acted inappropriately towards women, like, on the rag. One of them was Technical Sergeant Thomas Richard Bunday. He was a 33-year-old electrical expert. One woman said that Bunday was very disrespectful, verbally abusive, and, like, scared her. The FBI put together a profile. So keep in mind that profiles are not an exact science, right? They can be helpful, but they're not always super accurate. In this case, the FBI thought that the murderer would be a civilian who was single and lived alone. However, Bundy was married, had children, and was enlisted in the military. I guess
1: the profilers, you know, to get a paycheck, they just do their best.
0: I guess. You know, it's interesting because a lot of cases that you read, the profiles are dead on. Other times they're so, like, wackadoodle wrong. So I think there's something to it, but I don't know that it's, I don't know that it's as accurate as they would like it to be. But in yeah, this It's an case, educated guess. well it is. It didn't is. work here. It, it, it did not. They um, really focused on their profile, and they kind of had their eye on a few people who better fit that profile, not on Bundy. So he's going to go under the radar for a bit longer. Okay. So after Lori's murder, the disappearances and killings, they stopped, right? But we, we know that we've talked about this before, that serial killers and other killers and criminals in general can have cooling off periods, By November 1982, with no more disappearances or bodies, the task force thought that the killer was dead, in prison, or had just, like, moved on and went elsewhere. They got a list of military personnel who had transferred out of the state in the last 18 months. Guess what? Thomas Bundy? He was on that list. He was out. Yeah. He had transferred to Shepard Air Force Base, which is near Wichita Falls, Texas. Wow, dude went from Alaska to Texas. He's ready to get, he's tired of being cold. He needs some warmth. That happened on September 9th, 1981. When Alaska officials reached out to Wichita Falls police, they told him they were investigating a similar murder. Wow, go figure. But when Alaskan investigators arrived in Texas, they were greeted by a laid-back sheriff who said that he had no unsolved crime in his county. I like this guy. <laughs> no sheriff's one.
1: like, no, nah, I got it under control.
0: What is the deal with sheriffs? Like well, they're, they're
1: like elected, and they don't really know what. Not a lot of them are
0: like. Eh. Sounds like a lot of them don't know what they're doing. It sure does. Maybe not all of them, but. So he had,
1: in these like crazy little rural literally areas.
0: no unsolved crime in his yeah. county. I have a hard time believing that because he's
1: that good. Maybe mm. he's up for reelection. No, he's that lazy. Then there's that.
0: In the meantime, Doris O'Ring's brother was able to identify Bunday in a photo lineup as well as picking out a photo of the car he'd seen his sister standing near before her disappearance. Authorities interviewed neighbors of Bunday. He was not really a very, like, popular guy with his neighbors. They said he was unlikable and a loner. He also happened to have a variety of pistols and shotguns registered to him. So it wasn't like they were illegal. He had them registered. But I feel like it wouldn't be unusual for a military person or, frankly, anybody who lives in Alaska to have a a whole bunch of guns and shotguns, right? Because you go hunting. He's in the military. Like, that doesn't feel like.
1: It doesn't feel abnormal.
0: Right. Bundy agreed to the, uh, the trooper's interview request but would not take a polygraph. Uh, he would not allow a search of his home, nor would he give them hair samples. They were kind of at an impasse. Alaskan troopers don't have the authority to, ar- to arrest somebody in Texas because they're not Texan state troopers, and Texas authorities would need a warrant to arrest someone for crimes in a different state. Mm. So, uh Nonetheless, Bundy agreed to continue talking to the Alaskan authorities. He came to a hotel room at the Laquita.
1: There's no Skype here. Right. There's right. no There's no, no Zoom
0: or Teams. No, no. They have to physically like, go there.
1: drive or fly and then meet somewhere and talk.
0: Yeah, face to face. Face
1: to face.
0: Mano y mano. Right. Right. Anyway, Bundy came to a, a hotel room where Stockard and McCann, those were the uh, Alaskan authorities, had staged the place to look like they had been there for quite a while, even though they hadn't been there very long. They wanted Bundy to think the investigation was pretty much all but over. When they were ready, they called Bunday up and invited him over. When Bunday got there, he never even asked them what the investigation was about or why they called for him. For several days, for three hours at a time, so each meeting was three hours, they would talk to Bunday without an attorney, so it was just him. He continued to deny everything, saying, I really enjoy talking to you guys, but you say I did these things and I didn't. Stockard and McCann did eventually search Bunday's home, in which they found an article about the Alaska murders cut out, as well as surveillance photos of young girls. Ew. They were there for about 12 hours. Uh, they were pretty tired, and they accidentally took Bunday's key ring, getting it mixed up with all the materials that they had collected. About an hour after leaving Bunday's home, Bunday called the troopers asking for his keys. McCann talked with Bunday at length on the phone. Certain Bunday was getting close to confessing. Bunday was vague in his answers to McCann, but told McCann in no uncertain terms that he did not kill a woman named Cassandra Goodwin. Her murder was believed to be one of his, even though he says it wasn't. He said that the troopers should look elsewhere for that murder. Bundy said of the bodies that were found that they, quote unquote, weren't all of them. He's like pseudo-confessing, but not actually confessing.
1: He thinks they're like friends yeah, or something.
0: Yeah, that's exactly so it. Twisted. That's the feeling that you get. You, like, he believes they're like buddies, pals. Now they're hanging out. Exactly. Exactly. So he returned the following day to talk to Stockard and McCam. Bundy refused to come into the hotel room this time, but rather stood in the doorway. And then he just like busted out crying. He said he didn't know why he so did it. So this is
1: where he like confesses right here. He loses like his legit. Bucket. Yeah, he cries in the doorway of a hotel.
0: Yes. Nice. Yeah. He's. I don't even. He's all kinds of.
1: He's letting it out. Mm-hmm. Letting it go.
0: He said he'd strangled Doris, put her in his truck and drove back to the Air Force Base. What? You're going to strangle somebody? you going to put him in your truck? Go like, back to work. Go back to work. He seemed to indicate that Doris was a mistake. Oops, I just killed you. I'm so sorry. But Stockard said he showed no remorse for the other four murders. I, yeah, it was, they were pl- look, doesn't make was, sense it was an me. accident
1: with Doris, but the other ones, yeah. But then what? It was, he just decided he it? was okay, because he planned them. He, yeah.
0: Oh, hmm. With that, he lingered momentarily and turned and left, agreeing to come back that afternoon allowing the troopers to get their arrest warrant. Because remember, even though he basically just confessed they can't arrest him because these were crimes that were committed in another state, right? And they're visitors to that state. So as I said, because these Alaskan state troopers couldn't officially arrest Bundy because the crimes and they were officials committed and live in another state, they said, hey, come back with us to Alaska. We're going to help you out, make you feel all better about your stuff that you said. The problem was, is that the flights from Texas to Alaska had a layover in Seattle. And if Bundy wanted to just walk and head out, when they hit Seattle, he could just leave. There's but nothing... they're all
1: friends.
0: Well, yeah. that's what they're, they're hanging saying, out. He's but...
1: confessing. They're in a hotel room.
0: Yeah, they... So... The...
1: They're maybe rustling around. I... No. 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 I don't know.
0: That's good. of funny to think about. Mustaches. Mm-hmm. In the 80s? Maybe. Oh yeah! Oh yeah, for sure. So they some... weren't crustaches. they were strong, strong mustaches. like uh, Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck, right? Uh-huh. That's exactly what I was thinking. But somebody reached out to the governor of Texas, and the governor uh, kind of understood the the issue and the problem. And he's also probably thinking to himself, "I don't want this freaking serial killer in my state. Get him back to Alaska." He actually lent them the Alaskan troopers a private jet. Yeah,
1: here's a hey, here's a jet.
0: Yep, so they could make a direct flight, but Bundy's going to throw a little curveball. He's going to have the final say. On March 16th, 1983, the day after his last conversation with Stockard and McCann, where he effectively confessed, Bundy slipped by the security guards that were watching him in surveillance. He's out. He dropped off his taxes at an H&R block, because who wouldn't? you know, he, nobody would, he wouldn't want God anyone to America, think. God bless America, he's a patriot. That he skip that on shoot, his taxes.
1: He, he shoots these poor, poor woman in the face. Yeah. But he's going to pay his well, taxes. But he's
0: going to pay his taxes. And then drive off. And cry. He might cry some. Yeah. He drove to Oklahoma and then turned back, like, towards home.
1: <laughs> he drove, I don't really drive from Texas to Oklahoma, but my assumption is that's a lot of driving.
0: Yeah, we should, yeah.
1: So this D-bag, dro- he just starts driving. And then he turns around. Yeah, he turns okay. around,
0: and I, you're right. He's probably crying the whole time. Oh yeah. But the rain was super heavy where he was that day, so he stopped under an overpass so he could like get some shelter from the rain. He had the business cards of Stockard and McCann. He took them out and he placed them on a rock under the overpass. Then it, Bundy proceeded. It's not normal. No. So he's driving a motorcycle, which is also why uh, he was. So he drove yeah. from Texas mm-hmm, to Oklahoma
1: on a motorcycle.
0: On a motorcycle. Okay. And he's getting real wet. Right. Right and uh
1: so he stops throws these cars on a rock and then takes off
0: he does and he goes drives over 100 miles an hour okay and uh, he sees an oncoming dump truck and decides yeah that's the way to go so the semi driver of the truck said that he tried to avoid Bundy, but Bundy kept coming right like swerving at him trying to come at him
1: so it was on
0: it was on there was no chicken here there was a S- game of someone's chicken gonna but, die.
1: but no one was chicken
0: no, nobody was chicken.
1: <laughs> dump truck driver was like, "Dude, I just, this isn't cool."
0: No, I mean, can you imagine? No,
1: no, not really. I don't think about that stuff.
0: N- n- no, not n- normal people don't. Fun. So,
1: so he hits. He hit He's done. He Hit
0: it, yeah. He it killed him, like probably pretty fast. After Bundy's suicide, lab reports would confirm that Harris and Bundy's truck genetically matched that of Wendy Williams. Wendy Williams. So she was definitely in a. She's struck. one of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shotgun shells that were found at his home matched shells of, at two of the crime scenes. It was also later learned that Bundy was able to use high-powered surveillance cameras. This is so disturbing to view investigators at each of his crime scenes. Creeps. So like he getting, could relive kind of, them.
1: Excited to watch them, mm-hmm. watched again, sort of.
0: Yeah. Yes. Like yeah. It, he didn't have to take trophies because he could just literally watch them investigating his crimes. It's yeah. Disgusting. It is. It is also believed that the reason Bundy denied the murder in Texas is because Texas had the death penalty, but Alaska did not. It's okay for him to kill himself, but it's not okay for the state of Texas to kill him. Right. Bundy. bun Don't. In 1986, unfortunately, Doris' skull was found in a remote section of the Eelson Air Force Base. Again, another coincidence? I think not. Nope. People often speculate about why Bundy would shoot his victims. After throttling them to death, the gunshot was definitely overkill because they were already dead. Many think that this is because he was misogy- misogynistic, hating women, and that's likely when he shot his victims in the face because he was trying to picture somebody else's face that he wanted to obliterate, like maybe his mother, his unfaithful wife. Whoa,
1: not we'll Marcia. Never...
0: <laughs> yes, Marsha. She could definitely be, you know, the face he was picturing. Like could when you be. picture your boss's face on a dartboard and you shoot darts at it. I like my boss. That's good. That's great. Not everybody does. Facts. Facts. Anyway, so if he obliterates their faces, he kind of sort of erases their identity or maybe plays down their own individuality. Interestingly, this case was the first in which Alaska state troopers began to use the power of technology.
1: Not just any technology.
0: Well, we'll yeah. We're going to get there. Data center Data technology. technology. Data
1: processing.
0: Processing. Trooper Bernard had been sent to Atlanta to see what authorities were doing there in the infamous child murders case, which if we can if we have the stomachs we should cover at some point. Maybe. Maybe may, maybe not. It's a hard. I can't. It's tough with children. They had collected, stored, and sorted thousands of bits of information leading them closer to finding the perpetrator of that case. Bits
1: and bobs. Bites. Of data. Bits and bites. That too.
0: Yeah. Alaska troopers had received thousands of tips and information some of which seem to be pertinent to the case and some not. Authorities in Alaska decided to do something about it by acquiring a data sorting program. See? And, yes, a data sorting program. A little archaic in today's terms, but you get the idea. And running it from Fairbanks on a,
1: a mainframe, mainframe
0: computer located in Anchorage at the state data center. It's like, it sounds
1: like Russia. <laughs> It well, is that state data center.
0: This is in the 80s. This is what they had.
1: Hey, yeah, they had the state data center.
0: That's right. For that, bits. For, for bits. And bytes. But using this type of com- computing on a single case was actually groundbreaking at the time. For this case, the data entry alone, not even the sorting, just putting the data into the system, took several clerks and officers in three months operating around the clock to get it up and running. Although it was good old-fashioned detective work in the end, that they got Bundy to confess. The information that they gathered through this process really allowed them to much faster narrow down their field of suspects and learn how valuable and time-saving that technology could be. I like it. Yeah.
1: Who these guys.
0: Another odd twist. Bundy's widow. Good job,
1: Barnard.
0: I know. Barnard, he did his thing. Did. He did. He did.
1: Bundy's widow. Cutting
0: it. Her Bundy, name is Marsha. Marsha... She sued their insurance company after oh, yeah, his death for failure to pay. The coroner who had examined Bundy's body would refused to rule it as a suicide. So Marsha felt that that meant her insurance company should pay double indemnity, so twice what they would have paid otherwise, because it was an accidental the death. Girls gotta get paid. Well, honestly, can you imagine... Her and her kids are tied to this dude's name forever. She probably should have gotten some money. Uh, So Stockard was called to testify in the lawsuit, but the insurance company prevailed, citing that Bundy was a serial killer who appeared to commit suicide after confessing to the murders of five innocent victims.
1: Insurance companies are creeps too. They are. But Bunday is the biggest creep he of all. And he screwed people for,
0: out of their lives. And in the end, he even screwed his own wife and kids out of some money that they maybe could have gotten yeah. to get their lives you back together. could have together thought that out after better. completely screwing them over.
1: Bunday. You said Bundon. I say Bundat night. Bunday. Like.
0: <laughs> Bun night. It doesn't
1: make any sense.
0: But I just say just Bun don't do this shit. Just don't over and
1: bund out bun, Bye bye bun day yeah yeah no it's good good riddance
0: yeah over and bund out thanks for listening hey do us a huge favor follow us on instagram at cowards fury and like us or leave a five star rating on your favorite podcast platform it really helps a lot thanks so much see you soon